Welcome to What the Fit, a podcast about what it means to be fit. Whatever the fuck that means. Welcome, Ashley Koff. Hello, hello. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's great to see or be here with you. <laughs> I know. It's so good to see you. I wish that we could we could be together and catching up and having another cocktail, but mm-hmm. here we are. Ashley Koff is uh, with the Better Nutrition Program. It's her program. She is internationally renowned registered dietitian. She focuses on Better Nutrition is Simple. So she has an episode that came out a couple months ago. Check her out. It's phenomenal. She's a crazy story about a goat milk cleanse. You (laughs) will not forget about it. Um, We're going to run through the intro, and then Ashley's going to stick with me as we talk to another very infamous woman trying to help us eat for optimal well-being. So Ashley, to kick us off, tell me about your favorite workout recently. Well, I've been really struggling because, you know, I love to go That's to do okay. my hit workouts at the, <laughs> at the gym, et cetera. And I was like, oh, I'll just go for walks. And, you know, who's been rocking the pandemic sh- the shelter at home is my dog. Like we're oh. at the park, like <laughs> he's in the best shape ever. Right. Um, but it's funny how the world works. And I was reconnected to uh, one of my um, dear friends, a dietitian in um, New York City, and he has the, the gym Soho Strength Lab. Um, so Ooh. Albert Matheny and his uh, partner Ryan. And I was like, Albert, you just got to help me. And I forgot, like I used to go into New York and just like get my butt kicked by him whenever I was traveling there. So we did the first workout on FaceTime and I was like, oh, where had, like, I've just been missing that degree of like nasty smelling sweat and like my bones, like everything being sore in the best way. Um, so I've been working out with him twice a week, I uh, also, they do have on Instagram live, they have, you know, Ooh, workouts nice. that, that you yeah. can do there. What kind of workout is it? Is it like body weight stuff, weight stuff? Well, so what he knows about me is like, I'm in it to win it in the gym. So at my boyfriend's house, we, he has a, a full weight set. So we have like 75, oh, nice. 80 pounds. So I'm doing deadlifts. Oh, like nice. I, I was getting back into it, mm-hmm. but in my house, I'm in an apartment building um, so I was like, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be super easy. Oh, no. He had me put stuff together. So I've got about a 30-pound weight. I've got the bands. I've got, let me just tell you, like, not have, like, that is the hardest workout, like, what he has figured out for me to do. And, the, and I hate it because now there's yes. no excuse, like, right. none, you know? And you're FaceTiming. He's yes. right there. He and that's what he said to me. <laughs> he said to me the other day, this is funny. I wonder if other fitness professionals have this experience. He was like, you know what? I can just be so much more stern with you when we're like this versus when we're in person. And I was like, interesting. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So it was very, very true. Yeah. It's hard. Yes. Thanks, Albert. No. No, I I know what you mean. It's it, it, I've had that similar experience where like now that I'm in a living room, I can't do anything all yeah. of a sudden. Like my muscles just fail so yes. much quicker if I'm versus when I'm in a studio. Yeah. But my, so my favorite workout is my one of my best friends, she lives in Brooklyn and then I have another best friend in Cleveland and mm-hmm. we like live together in college. Like it's like my like old school besties and she had the suggestion that we all do a 305 fitness dance class together. So oh. 305 fitness is out, is out of New York as well. Amazing. Yes. And so it was such an an incredible idea. I was like this is brilliant. So we both, you know, we all three got on FaceTime together, went to YouTube. They have 305 fitness classes up for free. And we're just like, okay, three, two, one, like press play at the same time. And we listened uh, through headphones with the uh, fitness video. So then we could just like have our, our FaceTime up and we wouldn't yeah. get like, jumbled. 
But it was so much fun. So I mean, fun. just just yeah. to like watch my friends like dancing in their living rooms, goofing yes. off, shaking their butts, like all I would just like laugh out loud to yes. think about it and to see it. But it was great. And then we stayed and and FaceTimed for a while after and it butted up right against 7 p.m. in New York, which was when they do the thank you, yeah, to like the frontline workers. And so like I got to experience that. My Mm. friend that lives in Brooklyn, like, you know, turned the camera outward and you could just hear like the cacophony of support. And, you know, I was cheering and yelling. It just like felt so good to be a part of that. And I was like, I wish that uh, you know, Cincinnati did that. Like yeah. I live downtown. Like we could easily yeah. do something like that. Grandview could do something in Columbus yeah. like that. But I don't know. It was just like I felt. It felt good to like be a part of it. It yeah. was fun. Just to dance in your living room, like sweat it out, be silly, be stupid. Good music. Yeah. Unfortunately, and also fortunately, New York has you know just over so much time had these experiences that are just the worst of the worst. I know. And the best of the best comes out of it. You know. know. So it's like, of course we could, you know. But here we're too. I see more like you know. I'm like the old lady that's like walking my dog, and I see the young kids who are out. Like I joke with that. Uh, Grandview is like real world Columbus where I live. And so I'm like, oh, and everybody's like shirts off outside, got the beers, you know, and they're, yeah. they're faking social distance. And I was like, yeah, yeah. like I want to walk in and be like, that's not six feet. You yeah, know, right. that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, actually keep walking, keep walking. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're acting like you're 80. Yeah. No, I know. New York does just have that magic about mm-hmm. it. It's like you stuff that many people and it's terrible and wonderful at the same time. Yeah. 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 Okay. What do you want to talk about, Ashley? I'm so excited to hear. Well, you know, it's so interesting, like when we were, we were talking to Tess and like, I mean, I just, there's so much, right? There's food, there's all of this stuff. But, you know, for me, like the thing that um, I feel like everybody right now is having like such an amplified, like I, so many of our coping mechanisms, our ability, like even the really great ones, like how we help ourselves um, feel better. Like I was actually having a conversation with a friend of mine and she said, you know, I'm just really struggling. I said, you're struggling because you're not a victim. Like you and I are the type of people that if we're not doing well, like we're going to be like, if, if I'm annoyed with somebody, I'm going to, I don't usually pick up the phone and call. I try to go see them or I try to, you know, like that kind of thing. Yes. Or like, if I'm not feeling well, I'm going to get outside and exercise or I'm going to go do, you know, whatever. And by the way, of course, like I'm also going to go meet someone for a drink or yeah, I'm going to yeah, eat a pizza, right, whatever. Right. And none of that is available. Yes. And so I think what has been happening in this space is, you know, I've been so focused on how can I help people? I've been doing like my better, not perfect pandemic nutrition. Like how do we keep it real? And like, how do, you know, non-judgmental? But one of the interesting things that I was actually having a conversation with a group of guys and then a couple of women and they were like, da, 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 this is just, it's like the worst or whatever. And I was like, oh, now you know what PMS feels like, or now you know what menopause feels like. And now you know that like, honestly, like on a monthly basis for our entire lives, most of us have th- something that is so totally throwing us off our game. And it also has just been presented to us in this whole like, oh, like, you know, you've got your period coming. Well, just eat better for your hormones. And like, I was saying to the guys, because right now they're like nothing, like, and we're actually saying like, you actually now have to, you know, you used to go play basketball. You can't, you're not going and playing basketball right now. So what can you do for fitness? Or like, you're home all the time and you used to miss like talking to guys at work. You got, you actually, like what you just talked about from a dancing standpoint, I've been like with my boyfriend, I'm like, call someone, call two of your yeah. friends, like play some rap music, like whatever you want to yeah. do, you know, like do it. 
And so I think it's really actually interesting. And, you know, as somebody at this time of year, I always do my um, every year for like, gosh, over like eight or nine years, I always do her hormone health, which is like a hormone tune up. Um, I've been really committed to it because for decades, as I've been working with women, one of the things that's been so frustrating to me has been to see how we're talking to women all wrong about our hormones and not talking about it in a way that so many of us would resonate today with, which is, hey, when your hormones shift, you get thrown off your game. Like we all know that. Like we're just, we're mm -hmm. super clear about that. But what we don't know deeper than that is that the answer is then not to try to fix our hormones. So everything that's been served up to us, medications, um, even things like, uh, you know, uh, eating certain foods or taking certain supplements, they're all about like, this is good for your hormones. Well, what I focus on, and as you know, I coming back to my goat's milk cleanse, I always bring it back to the gut, right? <laughs> and when your hormones get thrown off course, they, they not, when your hormones shift, which is natural throughout yeah. our life stage, natural, right. most of the time, natural, when our hormones shift, it throws our digestion off course. Well, all the things that we battle, whether it's around menopause, belly weight, dryness, you know, not sleeping well, yeah. hot flashes. Um, if it's our PMS, it's bloated. It's, you know, I'm hungry and angry and cranky and I hate everybody. Like whatever mm -hmm, it is yes. and all of that. All of that is our digestion being thrown off course. And so the antidote, the treatment, the opportunity for all of us is to actually learn how our fitness uh, choices, our food choices, our mental health choices, like all these other things are actually need to be around supporting our digestion and understanding what is happening with digestion. So, you know, your hormone shift and your digestion gets thrown off course, a lot of the time that's tension that's happening. So we actually need, it's great for you to do like a HIIT workout or to do something, but you need a lot of like stretching it open, right? You got to get that relaxation, yeah. that okay. recovery. So there's so many things that you can be doing. So right now I'm in the deep of it, but it's so interesting because for the first time, one of the things that's happening is in, in this pandemic is I think it's a level playing field where men are starting to understand just a little bit, just a little bit, but they're starting to understand, bit. you know, how things happen. And you're like, you're, you're just like, I, I, I don't know how to help. And so for women right now of all ages, what I'm really focused on is, especially with Mother's Day coming, her hormone health. And so our program starts on May 13th, uh, which is, it's fun. It's a four week program and okay. I dive into doing all of this. Yeah. Okay. Ashley, I'm. Yeah. I, I remember you saying that you wanted to talk about this, but honestly, I forgot. And the thing, you're not going to believe this. The thing that I want to talk about is fucking PMS uh -huh. because I am in it right now. Yes. Yeah. Since Friday, today's yeah. Wednesday, recording on Wednesday. Yeah. I should be starting my period tomorrow and then it's coming up. I'm like yeah. on the brink. Yes. And I have been experiencing it terrible PMS yes. in the form of mood swings. Yeah. It started on Friday. So angry, yeah. so irrationally angry. I couldn't stand anyone or anything that kind of, you know, then it was just, okay, that kind of went away. Then Sunday, it was like this, this just like beating myself up, terrible body image. I felt like shit. I'm like, I'm no good at anything. Terrible, terrible, hungry, constantly just want to just want to be eating things that I don't even normally want to be eating I'm sleeping terribly so I monitor my sleep with the Fitbit one night I got five minutes of deep sleep 
and and, and you're minutes. doing what you're doing right now, which is beating yourself up over it, I, right? Like so, it's I like, totally I am. am I'm, I'm just like, when's yeah. my period starting? When yeah. every day, I wake yeah. up, like, when my fucking period starts? I've got yes. all my apps going. I monitor my uh, basal body temperature every yep. morning, so I'm like, when's my fucking temperature dropping? I'm yep. like, on it, on it, on it, on it, on it, and I'm just like, oh, in this state of like, I just want to rip my hair, and I'm like, and I don't. It is normally not this severe, right? right? When I'm coming on to my period, maybe there's some, some mood fluctuation, but sometimes not even. I'm I'm pretty good, but this in particular feels just so heavy, and I'm like, is it quarantine stuff? Vibe. So this is, is what it- I'm gonna say. So literally, end of thirty, I have talked to thirty women, and of course, like I've been talking also to healthcare practitioners because we we allow healthcare practitioners. Um, fitness instructors, et cetera, to come in, take our program because then yeah. they, they can go run it. And so I've been having these conversations. You for so first of all, ladies, we are not alone. People have been saying to me, this is the worst period of literally my life. Or I'm having oh. I'm having mood swings like I was 15 again. You know, like yeah. so I do think we have to just accept that a big part of it is quarantine. Because I think yeah. basically if we think about it on a scale of one to ten, Many of us were probably good for in a lot of our lives, starting at maybe like a stress level of like a three or four many days, right? Like we, we eat right, you know, all this stuff. Like we eat right, we're sleeping, we're taking care of ourselves. Okay. And if a, if a super stressful day hits, we, you know, we know on that part. Yep. But we're all starting at like a seven now. And even if we don't, even if empirically we don't think that, we're like, hey, like it's okay, I'm good here. We're not like there's yeah. all this stuff that we've just stuffed in us and that's around us. And like, you know, are like, are people going to be protest, like all of this other stuff? We're worried about people, et cetera. Yeah. And so You're what's right. happening with our PMS is that it is starting off. And so it then escalates to a level where you're like, holy, I mean, I literally, I'm, oh, I'm laughing. Like there myself. With you. Yeah. It's literally, I, I was saying to somebody the other day, I was like, my experience is I, I sit here and I watch the train wreck. That is me. I lost my regular pair of glasses and I turned <laughs> it into with my boyfriend and his 12 year old kids who I actually have not seen for a week, but I decided that they lost it. And this was sure. all about <laughs> how messy they are and my, how messy my life is with them. And I was watching myself mm-hmm. outside, like outside of my body, just being mm-hmm. an and then it was like, Ashley, eat some fucking carbs. Because yeah. the other part of it was I had also gotten to the point in the quarantine where I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm working out with my Albert. Yeah. I got my yeah. game on again. I'm right. like, you know, I'm, I'm doing my, like, I'm eating, right. eating well for myself, et cetera. Yeah. And I literally, I had vegetable quinoa sushi and a bag of popcorn. And I was like, you know what? I'm a good person again. Like, yeah. I was like no, I know. Right. Like, I know. know. That is so, sometimes how I feel. Yeah. Yes. So what I will say is um, use the tools that we have right now. Many of us are having a little bit more caffeine, maybe a little more alcohol, a little bit more sugar. That's okay. But what you want to understand is, especially with hormonal shifts, is that those can be prepping us. Because remember, it's all about digestion. They can be, mm-hmm. it's more acid forming. So then we've got to really work on the alkaline forming, but the secret is not getting rid of something like the carbohydrates right now. Mm -hmm. And especially from a nutrient standpoint, you may also be noticing, remember there are things like maybe we're just saying like, whatever, like, you know, all right, my boyfriend's here and they got pepperoni pizza. I'm just going to eat it. Well, 
not only does that not suit my digestion from a gluten, from a cheese, and I don't even eat meat standpoint, like, and it's just, I didn't actually have that, but like, let's yeah. just say that we're, and I don't mean, I'm not judging that. I'm just saying, yeah. we'll tell you what I had as my version instead. But so I was, so, you know, if you're eating that, but what will happen with that part is remember that are those, especially the fats and the proteins that come in, they also influence our hormones. So mm. what will happen in that part too, is we may actually physically be feeling more depressed than really high than... So I think that pandemic is doing from a hormonal standpoint, and I really do believe the root cause and the solution lies in digestion, is it's making us extremely schizophrenic in terms mm. of uh, from, an, from a mood standpoint. And so the stabilizing factor is actually figuring out how to nourish your digestion. So I, I was garbling over the um, pizza. The reason that I didn't have the pizza was that somebody had, a friend of ours the other day had had this like pop-up, there's a pop-up shop in town that gets these cookies delivered. Mm. And they're like, like mounds of um, chocolate. They're called lion mm. cubs. Um, oh my gosh. Next time you're in mm. Columbus, mm. they get delivered. They're so ridiculous. And I sat there and I was like, you know what? You all have that pizza. I am having, and by the way, I'm not a half of a cookie person ever. These things are a massive, like a massive mound. I will tell you, I had half of this and I was like, <gasps> I was in every bite. Cause it's like four sticks of butter per mm, half. And I was like, yum. this is great. So one of the things to think about in that space is, you know, you were mentioning before, it's like we have these things that um, rules and behaviors and things that serve us in our lives, they may not be serving us now. Now, the important thing to think about is not to abandon all rules. I think a lot of us did that early on. It was kind of fun. You know, it was like, all right, right. we're going to do. Right. Who knows what's happening? Yeah. We're drinking at 2 p.m. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But we want to we want to adjust for it. And so yeah. with her hormone health, one of the things that I'm really focused on is first and foremost, um, and what my company offers, we do assessment of where your digestion is today. So one of the things I've been doing for my clients who wanted to, you know, like during the month, they were like, I just need to, I, I just need to check in with you. I just need somebody mm-hmm. like, like, I need to know somebody outside of my home is checking on me and I'm taking that. So we've just been doing 15, 30 minute check-ins and we've been using that digestive assessment every week to see. And the crazy part is how much it's shifting. So if you're noticing, like all of a sudden you're waking up and your breath is disgusting, if you're noticing that you've got different bumps on, you know, your skin, or if you're noticing that um, your poop has changed in terms of, you know, hey, like I feel more like pellety or it's more, you know, these kinds of things, our body's going to give us those signals. And right now we actually might just be like, whatever, it's pandemic. No, it is actually a roadmap to exactly what your mood and your energy and your system needs. And we can tackle it with exercise. We can tackle mm-hmm. it with, so I've been instituting uh, four o'clock magnesium baths because um, I was really struggling mm-hmm. to not be a horrible person at about six thirty or seven o'clock. And sometimes I'm even like tonight I'm teaching at eight o'clock. Right. Yep. And so, you know, with those, it, I was like, you know what? a four o'clock bath is actually really important. I also had created a rule for myself at seven o'clock. I wasn't going to do no Netflix and social media after seven o'clock, like nothing. Oh, I was going to be one. like, yeah, oh, it one. was such a good rule. It sucked so bad. Are you yeah. kidding? And I know I've I tried did, that before too. Yeah. All yeah. I did was break the rule. So then I was <laughs> yeah. like, I'm this failure. Right. And I have this great yeah. coach who was like, so whose rule was that? And I was like, yeah, yeah. it sucked. So then even better. I was like, I'm going to make the rule nine o'clock. Guess what? Still can't stick with it. Cause when I teach from eight to nine, 
at nine o'clock, I'm like, let me just shift let gears. Me, yeah, you know, I, I got to yeah. watch something real quickly yes. and lights out, you know, whatever. And she's like, stop making these rules that you know are not going to serve you. And so I was I like, know. you know what does serve me? Taking care of my digestion. So I personally actually can't wait because I always do the programs with my. I'm do. I'm actually. I'm doing the like, program. Yeah, I'm, like, so, I'm going to do it. Literally, I'm, it's like we, what we're focusing on in that time period. Everybody will find their nuggets. We can. We can look. Sometimes we look at supplements because right now we might just need an actual physiologic intervention that can come by way of nutrients. Um, but we got to get, we got to get our hormone health back, back on the game. You know, like yeah. we got to just, we got to be breaking even a little bit more. Yeah. Each month. yeah. I'm going to do it. I need to do something after this, after these last couple of days and I fucking just, I'm crossing my fingers. I start my period tomorrow. So like this could be over, but I'm just, I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. It's terrible. I'm like, I'm wasting really great days, just not feeling like myself. Right. And I know this is what it is, right? right. Like I, like there's, I know this is what it is. Yeah. And what I would say to you for tonight, like literally for tonight to get to tomorrow, like sometimes it depends on, Hey, if I had caffeine earlier in the day, et cetera. So I am a very big fan of magnesium. Um, mm -hmm. So I mentioned yeah, a magnesium that. bath. So I joke, but like during this time I'm in my magnesium bath, it's a joke and it's not a joke. Sipping on magnesium, I get out and I apply a CBD cream. Like I'm like, all right, Ooh, use okay. the tools that help me break even, right? The only Love thing it. that happens to you if you have too much magnesium uh, is it's just a little bit of a laxative. Like that's yeah, all. And right, you know what? Right. That's not I've a problem that. right yeah. now, you know? <laughs> so like it's good. Like, so you're in the bathroom more often, you know, yeah. fine on that part. Yeah. But yeah. I would I would say that, and the other one is actually bringing it to the the beginning of um our like whatever you can do to honestly just work your muscles out. Um, the other one that would be amazing for you right now would be if you've got a ball at home, like uh, mm. maybe a small basketball or a soccer ball or something like that, to put it on the floor, lay on top of it, and roll all around it on your oh, belly, full body weight, okay. like really, like get in there. Now, don't do this if you've just eaten, like, but yeah. otherwise, you're, you know, and really get it all the way up into the diaphragm and all the way down into the pelvis and get in okay. there. And then, um, of course, like pigeon pose and some of these others that really like force you to open up. Like I was bawling. I loved it though. I was like, oh, it oh hurts my so hips bad. are so yeah, tight. Right. And then they're so tight. But you know what's stuck in there is all the shit we need to get out. It's all the, yeah. it literally is, you know, a month of COVID, right? That's like stuck, in, stuck in there emotionally. So um, I, I think it's, it's a big part of that. Any, like if you get foam roller, like, but yeah. really like get deep right now is, you know, okay. what I would say on that part. Okay. But okay, yeah, good. we got to get you feeling better. I <laughs> know I'm going to join the program. Um, and I'll link in the bio okay. too. Do you have a, a link for people to sign up if they're interested? If that's, that's, that's why, go, okay, cool. You can also just email me hello at the better nutrition program.com. Just say, I'm looking for Ashley's program or the hormone health program. We can do it that way. What you end up purchasing is you purchase a set of tools. The great part about it is you can use those tools whenever, and we're going to mm -hmm. use those tools in the session. Um, and if you are a healthcare provider, if you're a fitness instructor, et cetera, you can actually use the tools on your clients. So it's a good business uh, opportunity yeah. as well. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Our wild card. This is yes. fun. If you inherited or won $1 million, what's the very first thing you would do with the money? Yeah. I was actually just thinking when you, I, I was like, what a million dollars, you know? And I sat there. Well, cause there's a big part of me right now. That's like, well, I have to answer publicly that I would give it to people who have lost everything in the pandemic. And, and then well, I that's was not like, what I thought of. yeah. And then I was like, no, you know? And, and so, um, you know, this is going to sound, this is where, so I'm 46 years old. This is where my world has changed dramatically. 
I will be saving so much of that money. Yeah, it's so smart. it's so <laughs> boring to say that. Well, right now, what am I going to say? Go on a great trip? You know, like it's not going to happen. For your retirement. But, yeah, well, it, but, smart. Well, retirement or honestly, for I run my own businesses. Two years from now, another pandemic hits. Like yeah. I happen to be doing pretty, you know, I'm doing well well now. And, and you know, I, I'm okay on that part. And I'm super grateful. Um, but I think about that. And I think what this has actually shown us is also like, what I don't need to spend money on. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that like, I, I actually have just been like, wow, like money, like the only thing I want to make sure is that I'm not a burden to anybody else. So let me put that money, you know, away on that part. Um, yeah. I wish I had come, I was really like, no, you're smart. Like, I'm going to come up with like a cool, like I'm going to fund the best vaccine. I'm like, uh, like oh. I mean, literally like what, what's out there, you know? Mine so, is so selfish. I don't know if, I don't know where the, Maybe I can guess where this is coming from. I'm spending so much time in my house, but I'm so into houses. Like I'm going oh. on tons of walks, right? Yes. So I, if I see a for sale sign, yeah, I have to look it up on Zillow or Realtor.com. Yes. I want to see the pictures inside. I want to know what it's going for. You've I'm been just like wanting. Obsessed. Yes. Yeah. And like I don't want to. I love my house that I live in. I don't want to move, but I just want another one. Mm -hmm. So I would buy. <laughs> totally necessary, right? I would buy and decorate and furnish a whole new house that I think would be just mine. Yeah. And I would just, I could go. So we have know where that's coming from. <laughs> and especially as you're talking about PMS, like right. this is ladies, like if you read the book, The Red Tent, I don't read a lot of no. books, but okay. So The Red Tent I is haven't. this awesome, awesome book. And it goes back to like biblical times. But in that time period, the women, when they got their period, went into a tent because they okay. were considered, they <laughs> were considered useless. Like you couldn't be around because who, you know, you weren't going to be having slept with for procreation yeah. and, and your sisters. And also, by the way, the great part was like, as all women in a community, everybody was on their period at the same, right, time. The same so time. Like, all, right. So they would, the book goes through like how the rest of the community, cause it was all the men, like, and the kids all failed during that time and the women, but they were in the red tent. And one of the things I think is so fascinating about the PMS and the pandemic and what you are describing right now is as much as I think you want a house, I think right now what you're just like is on the weirdly, you just want to be all alone and be you, right? right. Like a hundred percent you. And it's no disrespect to animals and beings yes. and all of those around yes. you. Right. But, right. but I agree with you on that part. And I'm such, by the way, like as someone, I live in my own place and my boyfriend has his place. Yeah. And I'm like, I, like even married, I don't really know that we need to, you know, so I'm, I'm with you. I feel I'm like, all for it. Yeah. And I, I just like, I used to love going to open houses. Yes. I just like yes. want to see. And so now yes. I don't know. I'm just like in this space. I'm like, if it's a million dollars. A month, like maybe. Maybe yeah. Is like maybe you could get this really great, like where like the rest of the time, yeah. Like for at least you know one week a month you've got your your place, yes. you know. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Awesome. I uh, love it. Well, Ashley, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was great to see you. Great to catch up. Yeah. I know we have an amazing conversation with with Tess coming up after this. So yes, we'll get to that. Thank you. Take care. Yeah. My guest today has a simple mission: just eat more fruits and veggies. Through her own health journey and exhaustive trials of diets and regimes, she let go of the notion that there is one perfect way to eat. She is driven to encourage people to forget the rules and develop recipes to show plant-based food can be delicious and fun. As if that wasn't enough, she's also an actor, author of multiple recipe books, lifestyle personality, and in collaboration with 
big names like KitchenAid and Williams-Sonoma. Joining me from LA, please welcome Tess Masters, aka The Blender Girl. (laughs) Hello, Tess. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. And of course, we have Ashley with us too. I really appreciate both of you guys hopping on and, and spending some time with me. We had some internet tech difficulties, but here we are ready to go. I'm the only one with a beverage, but I dare say that these other ladies probably wishing they had one too. Oh, I've got a bevy. Oh, God. I've got a bevy. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with your, you know, don't your poetry today. I'm on board. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, I'm, I, I think that with all the jobs that you have, you absolutely have to be fueling yourself properly. I think your diverse career alone should just be a testament to the fact you're onto something. And I, we're going to get through a bunch about the, your health journey and what you've got going on. And I'm I'm definitely going to sneak this in. I was telling Ashley before we started recording, <laughs> I'm on like such an audio book kick right now. And I really need to hear about your career and lending your voice to audiobooks. I have a lot of like behind the scenes questions that I must have answered, but we'll get, we'll have time to get oh. to that later. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, so, so quickly, Tess, you know, tell us a little bit about, about what you do right now, what you're currently doing. And then I'll ask you to, to jump into the story behind it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, I do a lot of different things and I, I like yes. the variety, you know, I like the fact that my day is different every day. You know, I like to be surprised. I like to be stimulated. Mm-hmm. I like to kind of jump in and kind of just go with the flow, that sort of stuff. So I do like that one day I'll be in the studio doing a voice for a video game. The next minute mm-hmm. I'll be uh, doing an interview like this or the next day uh-huh. I'll be developing recipes in the kitchen or I'll be presenting something or I'll be whatever. So I do like the variety. So at the moment, like everybody, I've had to pivot and somewhat change. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to travel um, typically, you know, a couple of weeks out of every month, you know, and obviously none of us are doing that right now. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I, I um, have been wanting to create a cooking club for a really long time, but because I was so busy with other things, I just didn't have the bandwidth and I wasn't home yeah. enough to be able to do that. So, you know, I, over the year, you know, the last 10 years since I started the Blender Girl, you know, I've just received hundreds of emails every month from people going, oh, I watched that Facebook Live or I saw you with the Williams Sonoma or I saw you with this or I heard you on this podcast and, gosh, I just love to be in the kitchen cooking with you and I just want to learn how you put those flavors together. And so I thought, you know what, now that the whole world has embraced Zoom, don't we wish we'd bought shares uh, in January, but, (laughs) but, uh, and, you know, doing teleconferencing and embracing this new way of interacting with each other, um, I thought, wow, now's the time to do it. So I thought, what is the best way to simulate someone being in the kitchen with me or being in a cooking class with me? And it's on a private teleconference call. So I've created this new cooking club where once a week we all cook the same recipe in our kitchens around the world at the same time. And so, yeah, it's so much fun. So we had the first one uh, last night, actually, was the first inaugural Skinny 60 cook up. And everybody around the world was on this teleconference call and we could see each other and, uh, well, not everybody because there was a lot of people, but it was so much fun. And I was a little nervous about, oh, gosh, you know, there's going to be so many people. How's everyone going to have a turn, blah, blah, blah. But everyone was Mm -hmm. so respectful of each other and we're meeting each other. And just, I think, not only were we making a risotto together and everybody's like, mine looks like this. Let me show you mine. Yeah. Oh, I just put smoked paprika in mine. Yeah. I said what you said about this. You know, and I had all these different varieties of what people could do and different substitutions. And 
And people were really respectful. I said, you know, just mute yourself. And when you've got a question, just chime in, interrupt me. I'm really easygoing. And people were yeah. really on board with that. And so it was so much fun. So I'm wow. really passionate about that right now. So yeah, it's really yeah. great. That sounds fun. So are you are you like leading a class or do you give them the recipe ahead of time? What's the what's the format look like? Yeah, so I I give them the the four recipes for the month and so we mm. we focus on one ingredient every week. So I tell mm. it I send it out in advance and I tell people how to store it, how to select it, why it's good for you, how you prepare it, all the different ways you can make use of it, how you can make it taste delicious, uh, what to pair it with, and then I choose one recipe that stars that ingredient. And all the recipes are gluten-free they're vegan they're sugar-free no added sugar um they're soy-free and most of them are grain-free so Mm. I've got the recipe and then everybody preps their ingredients ahead of time so and and some people just choose that they can't sort of focus on everything they just want to take the information in so you know about a third of the people chose to just watch and they were really happy to watch everybody else but most people were in their kitchen at the same time cooking at the same time as me yeah so it was like being in a live cooking demonstration yeah so um yeah, it was really great. So everybody has yeah. the, the recipe ahead of time. They've got the recipe card. Then they, they have access to all the recipe archives as well. So, and then people that I've got some people from Europe who are choosing to watch the recordings um, and some people in Asia and Australia who it's the, you know, the morning for them. Right. Most people join, but some people want to watch the recordings. So all the recordings are there for people who got, don't want to join live or want to take notes at their leisure. And so, um, yeah, everyone can just follow along. So it's just, it's That's actually awesome. really quite joyful. So yeah. I'm really excited yeah. about it. No, that's great. I it's so funny because when I hear you talking about like, oh, some people just want to watch, I feel like I would be one of those people. What, what is it about like humans love to watch other humans cook? Like I could watch cooking shows all day long. Me too. Me too. It, like satisfies like something about it is just so satisfying. Even though I'm not doing it, I don't get to enjoy the food, but it's just like. Oh, I get to like experience this with you, so it feels like you're you're part of something. I think that's what it is. Look, and I also think. Yeah. At this time too, you know, it's just a really good way to um, to be part of a community that has yeah. like, like-minded like views or similar goals, to feel yes. like you belong to something, to feel like you're getting to go to something or getting close to somebody that you want to learn from or somebody that you watch from a distance on social media. Yeah. And like yeah. I love Instagram Live and Facebook Live and all these different things, but the one thing that's missing is you can't see the other people. They can only see you. They can only write questions in text format. They can't actually speak to you. So I right. think it kind of just enables a more intimate connectivity that I yeah. think is really, um, really fulfilling and very joyful and um, kind of enables us to have some kind of facsimile of being in the same room together, which I think everybody's really feeling the loss of that right now. And I think, you know, cooking and eating is about celebration and communion. It's about bringing Mm -hmm. people together. So, so much of when we eat, you know, it's often a secondary activity or a way to layer another bit of celebration onto an event. We're at a bar mitzvah, we're at a birthday, we're at a work event maybe or whatever it might be, or just... Um, having a great conversation with a friend or a family member. We're eating, we're enjoying a meal, we're breaking bread together, we're sharing something together. So I think that there is something about food um, and the ritual of nourishing ourselves. There is there is a celebratory element to that that's that uh, connects us, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I think food is so much more than food, right? And I yeah. and it, it yeah. is it is a way to tell a story. It is a mm-hmm. way to celebrate. 
uh, somebody else. It is a way to show love to yourself and to others. You know, I think besides, you know, the the thoughts and, and the mindful choices we make about how we choose to perceive the world and ourselves, I think, you know, in, in a privileged society, you know, when you're not in the third world and can't choose what you eat, I think that, um, the way that we nourish our bodies is one of the greatest acts of self-love and a way that we can love on the people that we care about. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that, um, that's why I'm particularly passionate about, yeah. about eating well. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I so identify with that too. I feel like whenever someone comes over in the time when people used to come over to our homes and the first thing they do when I walk, I'm like, well, can I get something to eat? And I can remember like being younger or, just like going to other people's homes and you know the mom would say that I'm like oh my gosh it's so annoying I already said no like I don't want anything to eat eat. but now I'm like that same it's like no this is how I'm showing you I love you and I'm happy that you're here let me feed you yeah yeah and there's also something amazing about just kind of going oh what's in that oh how did you get those flavors how did you get that where did you get that thing gosh I've never heard of baru nuts where did you get those or whatever it might be right I mean I think there's just something really fun about that as well yeah, yeah. Well, I'm interested to hear. I want to I want to hear about your journey and if it's always shown up that way for you. But before we get into that, how do you and Ashley know each other? How do you guys meet? How do you get connected? Well, we Ashley and I, I mean, full disclosure, Ashley's one of my best friends in the entire world. I mean, she's family, really. Um yeah. so her and I have been at all kinds of events together, holidayed together, stayed in each other's homes, gone through all kinds of rites of passage together. So we are very, very close friends as well as being colleagues. But it started um, where we just saw each other at a number of events. You know, where mm-hmm. I would see Ashley speaking. I knew about her work. Um, we would kind be, of running in the same. Yeah, circle, we were just so, kind of constellating yeah. around each other in the wellness space. Because you know, when you're yeah. in the wellness space and you're you're committed to learning, you are constantly wanting to tap into what is happening in the space. So you know, yeah. we were reading a lot of the same articles. You know, we're on the same page about a lot of things. You know, mm-hmm. um, we've both got a pretty sort of n- n- no nonsense pretty flexible approach to things, you know, where it's not dogmatic and preachy. It's kind of like work from where you're at. It's not one size fits all. You're always looking to just be better. And one Mm -hmm. of the things that I love about Ashley and her teachings and her brand is her hashtag better, not perfect, that it's we're not achieving perfection. We're never going to do that, right? It kind of doesn't exist because it's a very subjective concept to begin with. But where works in process. We just mm-hmm. want to be better today, you know? And yeah. that may that's different for everybody. It may be yeah. that you're going to make a leap forward and that's your better today or it may be that you're just going to, you know, instead of eating potato chips, you're going to have a rice cake or whatever it might be, right? Yeah, right and right, I think right. that that kind of um we connected a lot about our work in general. And then obviously the more we spoke and the more we kind of did some projects together and we're on different interviews and whatever, we kind of went, Oh yeah, I love you yeah. as a person yeah. as well. Like you're, you're <laughs> just, you're just my spirit animal, you know? I love And that. so, yeah. yeah, that, yeah, it, it kind of was just this natural evolution over a number of years, you know, is that a good yeah. pricey Ashley? 
Well, I mean, I'm just going to sit back and let it keep going. But you missed probably one of the key things. And that was that you fed me. Like I was like, literally, I mean, I like I had, you know, plant based eating, whatever, we've all eaten things, and they've tasted like cardboard, or, you know, people have been so excited about this brand. And Tess and I would go around to like the big expos and try things. And she'd be like, Oh, like, this is so bad. And I'm like, Oh, totally. It's so bad. Right. And so like, well, you know, I was always in that space where I'm like this, like, if we're going to get people to do it, it has to be delicious. And literally, and I was telling this Chrissy when I was saying, Oh, we got to have my friend on. I was like, literally, I've never had her make something that isn't delicious. Now, it might not even be with ingredients that I actually like. I'm like, but wow, like, that's delicious. Like, I can see how and so there really isn't much selling to do. Because when she puts things together, it's like, Oh, by the way, that happens to be good for you. Yeah, Yeah. like who who cares? So I brought her in. Like I I remember, I was working on this project in um, DC. I was the dietitian to the Four Seasons at Georgetown, and they're like, Ashley, do you have some recipes? Can you? And I was like, No, I cannot. It's like, but you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna hire my friend Tess. I was like, She comes in. She just like like the next thing I know, the chef is like drooling. Like, what else can you do for us? What Mm -hmm. else? You know? And I was like, Oh, and yes, I can talk about how this is good for your skin, how this is good for your digestion, etc. So to me, it's always been like a little uh, peanut butter and jelly or um, chocolate and peanut butter or whatever your blend is, where it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I'm never going to tell someone what's good for them. I want to show them what's good for them. And, um, I just usually am showing them Tessa's website and like, or the cooking class. I'm just bummed that in this pandemic, I wasn't sitting at your house, like to be fed (laughs) with everything you're making. Yeah. I mean, I I think that is the key, you know, for me, it is the key besides choosing, that you're going to honor your body and and show up and be the best version of yourself you can be. And one of the ways you do that is by nourishing your body with healthier foods and choosing better foods and better health. But I think one of the greatest tools is to have an arsenal of incredible recipes. And thankfully, mm. we live in the era of, era of the internet where there are millions of recipes for free, right? And you've I just know. got to find those trusted sources where you go, oh, every time I make something from that person, it's just bang on, right? So, you know, I've got my go-to places in addition to my own stuff, right? But I think that for me... Um, you know, Ashley always says better nutrition, better be delicious. And it's absolutely true because we think about warped carrot sticks and, you know, wilted lettuce leaves and wet cardboard, right? When we think about healthy food or that it's going to be just not quite good enough or just not quite as much as, or it's going to be this sad, pathetic little 40% of what it should be of the real experience. And so I don't, stop with my recipe development until it is a hundred percent like the decadent delicious comfort food that you're used to eating right so I just don't stop until it tastes exactly like what the other thing does or really 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 close right so I just feel like you know to be honest with you so many of my emails now actually come from men who've actually and it's not because I look like Kim Kardashian or whoever it's because (laughs) They've either eaten it because their wife or their mother or their whatever. So, you know, and people that just don't think that they can eat this way or that they can't enjoy vegetables, you know. So even though I'm gluten-free and vegan and that's what I choose for myself and that's how I feel better as a human being inside my body today, um, 
that's not a prescription for everybody. We're all bio-individuals and different things will, will make us feel good, right? But the one thing that everybody agrees on is that vegetables are good for us and that we yeah. should be eating as much of them as possible, right? So my mission, as you said at the beginning, is simply that no matter what your dietary stripes are, we all know that we should be eating more non-starchy vegetables in particular, right? And so how do we make that as exciting and delicious as possible so that you're actually excited to eat that vegetable thing? And actually, yeah. it's not even about being vegetables anymore. It's just like, so a, a great example is I've got this bolognese recipe and I got brought in to do this event in San Francisco and it was pretty much three quarters men. And I made this bolognese and I didn't tell them what was in it. I just said, we're going to make some bolognese. I'm going to stir some bolognese. Blah, 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 blah. And they <laughs> were gobbling this up, thinking like that. They were like the cat that licked the canary, right? And they were going, <laughs> what is in that bolognese? That is the best bolognese I've ever had. And I said, well, not meat. And they just went, what? And they pretty much all but called me a dirty little liar, all right? Mm-hmm. And when I showed them, because I gave it to them before I started making it, and then mm-hmm. I showed them. And I said, so what do you think about that? You know, da 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 and then we pulled it back from there. And I think, you know, I've got a nut, some other stuff like a mushroom stroganoff and a creamy cauliflower soup that tastes like it's got a cup of heavy cream in it, but it doesn't. And all these different t- tricks. And I think that when people, you know, the proof really is in the pudding. Like when you taste it or your friend serves it to you, I, I think the number one way that people come to my website is through this creamy cauliflower soup, right? And it's six ingredients and I'll share the recipe with you today. Yes, yes, and it's hands down my most popular recipe. Anybody can make it. I test all my recipes on children. So if a 15-year-old can't make it, it doesn't make it on my website or in my books, right? So basically someone serves it at a dinner party and everyone goes gaga for it. And then they're like, oh, where did you in that because it doesn't taste like cauliflower it tastes like a cream of potato or a cream of something or whatever and nobody can really pin down what's in it it's just it's just a buffet of yumminess right (laughs) and so and it's so rich and creamy and decadent that it's like this naughty chowder that you got from somewhere and no one can believe it's healthy so everyone's at this dinner party and it's like oh I got it from this website or this blender girl cookbook or whatever and everyone pulls out their phone and buys the book on Amazon right yeah so (laughs) I get this email it's almost like the same email from people all over the world I found you through the cream of cauliflower my friend made it (laughs) we had us over for dinner and we all went nuts you know so basically I, I have to share it now don't I? Because yeah, you absolutely have yeah. to. And I have the perfect opportunity because this Sunday is Mother's Day, right? Oh. And so my oh. mom is, I'm going to see my mom for the first time in so long. And oh, she yeah. is an old school Midwestern, lots of meat, potatoes, cheese, milk, whatever. And I'm going to make this for her and I'm not going to tell her what it is. Oh, and we're going to make so a good. video when she tastes yes. it because it's so crazy. Good. Yeah. So yeah. It's just, you just literally take a tablespoon of grapeseed oil or, or olive oil or whatever you want, and you get two two cloves of minced garlic, so two teaspoons of minced garlic. You do two cups of diced yellow onion or leeks. It doesn't matter. Um, and then you just saute that with a pinch of salt for about five minutes till it's soft and translucent. Then you take a whole head of cauliflower, preferably a large head, uh, which is about six cups of cauliflower on average, a, a large head. Doesn't matter, though. Who cares? Just whatever. And this is what's great about cooking in and around the blender. It doesn't need to be perfect because we're going to blend it anyway. So it's like it doesn't matter, right? So you throw in your cauliflower and you add about six to seven cups of vegetable broth. Now, if you are an omnivore, you could do chicken broth. That's fine too. Whatever you want to do, right? So then you bring that to the boil. 
you partially cover it and you simmer it for about 15, 20 minutes just until the cauliflower is fork tender, mm-hmm. all right? And you're going to probably add about a half a teaspoon of salt, but salt's a mm-hmm. personal thing, right? So you're just going to, and if you're on a low sodium diet, maybe you want to just reduce that. You can add it, but you can't take it back. So I love mm-hmm. the plus more to taste in yeah. all my recipes, right? So then you're just going to take the soup off the heat, leave it to cool somewhat, and here's the magic ingredient. So mm-hmm. you add a quarter of a cup of raw unsalted cashews. They have to be raw, not roasted, because otherwise they're too assertive, or blanched slivered almonds, not raw almonds because it's too gritty. So they need to be blanched almonds. So either one of those, you put the quarter of a cup into the soup as it's cooling and you just let the nuts sit there in the hot soup. Mm -hmm. So then you blend your soup in batches and you just blast it and until it is smooth and creamy and it's like liquid velvet. And so what happens is the cauliflower is already naturally creamy. So it's this incredible mm-hmm. ingredient that's right, low, in, right. low in carbs, loaded with nutrients, bloody, bloody, blah, right? But the alchemy that's created between those, those blanched nuts or those raw cashews and the cauliflower is where you get the gobs of cream thing, right? So I use this trick over and over and over to fool people, I call them cream, uh-huh. I call them cream dreamers or dairy devotees, right? And I'm one of them, right? I love yeah. dairy. I'm just allergic to it. So I can't eat mm-hmm. it. It makes me very, very ill. But I still love what dairy, you know, that the flavor of the cream, the cheese, the, all these yeah. different things, right? So I'm constantly wanting to replicate that that phenomenon, right? Those delicious flavors and textures mm-hmm. and whatever. So what's cool, and then you get it to liquid velvet and then you just season it to taste with salt and pepper, right? You get it to where you want it, all right? Then you either serve it with a little sprinkle of nutmeg or some chives, mm. and then instead of a, a piece of sourdough, which, hey, is fine too if you want to do that, or bread or whatever, mm. you could do a scoop of cooked grain. I call it a grain bowl. So taking like a scoop of quinoa or a scoop of millet or a scoop of brown yep. rice or whatever you want to do, barley, yep. whatever you want to do, and it just kind of makes soup a meal, you know, yeah, and, and in right. place of bread or whatever, right? It's yep. another example of that better, not perfect choice, right? Yep. Where So... I think what's cool about this recipe too is it serves as a blank canvas for about a hundred other soups. So here's Mm. some other examples. You take that basic idea and then you might take, you know, a packet of frozen artichoke hearts and you just, you just steam those or put boiling water over. You add that into the soup with a little bit of thyme and you've got a cream of artichoke soup. Or you do two cups of of broccoli and you've got a cream of broccoli soup. You do two two bunches of asparagus and you have a cream of asparagus soup you and I could go on and on and on and on and on cream of spinach soup you put two cups of spinach in right so I could go on and on and on about how I'm going to make a cream of x soup with Mm -hmm. that basic base all I would do with that is I would probably just halve the amount of cauliflower so I would do half the amount of cauliflower to get that creaminess with the nuts and the thickness, because I still want it to be thick, not goopy thick, but just thick enough so it's hearty and rich, not thin. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, it's such a top tip. So for me, Ooh. what gets me really excited is this alchemy that's created when you put ingredients together and particularly when you blend them. Like, yes, there's all kinds of other culinary applications and we know things that go together, chocolate and hazelnuts. They're just meant to mm. live together. They're delicious and all these different things, right? Mint and peas. And, you know, we can think of lots of different things. But when you actually blend ingredients in a blender, you get this completely 
um, this whole other phenomenon happens that you cannot achieve any other way. So another example is when I discovered that when you blended strawberries and red bell pepper together. I was was just going to, oh my God. I was like, she's got to talk about the strawberries and the pepper. Strawberries and pepper? It's such a bizarre combination, right? But when I realized that those two ingredients were flavor affiliates and it it created the most mind-blowing I don't know where it's coming from, but itch me some more taste. Um, that's when I just went, oh, wow. And so I could just give you so many examples of that. And so I've got this amazing four-ingredient strawberry sorbet where it's got a pinch of cayenne pepper with the bell pepper. And then it, it's just the most mind-blowing flavor. And it's this seemingly just weird, I'm never going to like that, are you crazy combination. And the amount that. of people that write to me and go, because I've made about 100 of your recipes and I just trust you now, we did it. And we were all kind of <laughs> going, screwing is up our faces, going, oh, what come on, I think she's gone a bridge too far with this yeah. one. And then <laughs> they just go, ah! I'm so happy that's in my life now, you know. And so, yeah, it's a just, it's just, a, it's so exciting to me to make those discoveries, you know. Yeah. And, and you cannot achieve that flavour. So if you dice it in a salad, you cannot achieve that flavour combination, right? Right. So this is why... I love the blender because it just really level, not only does it enable you to do things you can't do any other way, but it also levels the playing field in the kitchen. So I feel like it enables novice cooks or inexperienced cooks or lazy cooks or whatever we might say, right, in a non-judgmental fashion, but it enables people to make nourishing, beautiful, delicious, incredible food with very little skills and even less time. And I think that that's what's exciting to me. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, this is a great a great segue. You know, I did some reading on your website and what I loved about your journey, right, is that is it does not seem from the little that I know linear or easy, so to speak. So I would love to hear, you know, how you arrived at the blender as this kind of, you know, magic tool that you're using yeah. to come up with recipes and, you know, how you know, the, the birth of the blender girl, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the great thing about life, isn't it? That it's not linear. Even though we think of it as beginning, middle, stop, start, chapter, 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 end, death, right? It's kind of cyclical and there's these circles that intersect with each other and you realise that every experience gives you the tools for the next experience, whether you're cognizant of it enough or, you know, today or not, right? And years later, when you've got the benefit of 2020, or you have a really insightful conversation with somebody, you start to start to piece it together like a jigsaw puzzle, right? Mm -hmm. And that was very much, it's very much that way from, from my journey with food. You know, I grew up in a very conventional meat and three veg family, right? Albeit, you know, a very informed family, you know, so my mother cooked very healthy food from scratch, but we were omnivores, albeit omnivores with a dilemma before that was trendy when that book came out, you know, but uh, my mother, you know, we didn't have a lot of added sugar. We didn't do processed foods. We didn't do a lot of fast food, et cetera. So my mother, we also lived in a lot of different countries. My mom speaks a lot of different languages. We got pulled out of school for a couple of months every year and we just traveled the world. So the world was really my culinary playground. And so we weren't allowed to say we didn't like anything until we had tried it. So my mom and dad said, just try this. And if you don't like it, that's okay. 
but you've tried it, but it might be the greatest thing you've ever had. It might be your new favorite food. So let's do it, you know? And then we would go home after our holiday and we would try and recreate that incredible thing that we had tasted in, you know, Bulgaria or Italy or wherever. Right. And so I was very fortunate that I had incredibly adventurous parents, you know, and this is 45 years ago, you know, where people didn't travel like they did now, you know, into these exotic places. So we're incredibly well-traveled. So that was the first kind of foray into it. But I still ate meat and fish and eggs and dairy and all these different things until I was a teenager and I had enjoyed very good health. And then I just started to get incredibly tired and lethargic and, and, and was plagued by extreme lethargy. And I just didn't know what was going on. And I just wanted to take a nap in the afternoon every single day. Yeah. So this was very, not a yeah, not a siesta, like a three hour kind of comatose kind of thing. And so, you know, this was very hippy dippy back then, but my mother took me to a naturopath and um, he suggested I give up gluten and dairy and just try a different way of eating. And I did, and I felt better. I felt significantly better. So that was the the impetus into a revolution into the way that I ate. And it was my first real introduction to this concept of food as medicine and the yeah. power of diet um, yeah. to help you achieve better health. Yeah. And so were that was this first, like as a young as a young person, to say like you have to cut this, or were you feeling so bad that you're like I'll I'll do anything? I was so desperate, and I was so yeah. tired, and I'm a real go getter. You know, I was in plays, and I I was working out, and I just I'm you know we're a very greedy, thirsty family. Like we want to do all these experiences, we want to no, make the most out of every day, blah blah blah. Sure. And I just couldn't because I was so tired all the time. So I was prepared to do anything at this point. Yeah, no, I I feel that I hear other people have similar health journeys, right? Where where they are plagued by this lack of energy. And to me, that sounds like the worst thing that could happen to someone where like yeah. you want to go after your life and you're tired. Like that just sounds terrible. Well, it's a very common story, right? You know, yeah. a common way they say it is, oh, well, the pain just wasn't bad enough. And then it was, and then I made change, you know? Yeah. So I was just, and and also too, we were sort of I had sort of very loving parents, but they were tough love. You know, they were kind of like, if you want things to get better, you're going to have to make some sacrifices and make some difficult choices. So I was brought up that way anyway. So my mom's like, if you want to feel better, we're going to try something different because we've had all this blood work. We've had all this blah, 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 right? So I did that. And then when we moved to Singapore, I was still very tired, even though I was eating this way. So then I was kind of... um, a voracious uh, consumer of medical journals. So it was kind of like I was Dr. Tess, you know. (laughs) And so I had read about this thing called Epstein-Barr virus and I had all the symptoms. So I said to mum, I've got this. And mum goes, listen, Miss Hypochondriac, you do not have that. All right, whatever. So finally I said, mum, I just want to get tested. There's a blood test. I want to go get tested. So she took me to our doctor nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Can we test tests for this thing? You know, sure enough, I had it, albeit a mild case of it. And so that was just another layer of it where I just mm. knew there was this other reason and this other other thing that was kind of propelling me to make better yeah. choices every well, day. That's power too to know, you know. Yeah. That, that yourself. yeah. Yeah. And then flash forward, you know, another X amount of years, you know, six years or something, um, I met my partner at the time and he and his family were macrobiotic. So, um, you know, I really credit my, 
Yeah, I mean, it's a way of eating um, mm-hmm. that's, um, you know, Michio Kushi, you know, he's not the only person talking about macrobiotics, but he was kind of, you know, in terms of the Western world, one of the fathers of getting macrobiotics out there on a large scale to Western society. Um, you know, it's it's the short version of his eating in 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 um in harmony with nature it's a very grain-based diet though you know so you're eating whole foods um a lot of non-starchy vegetables but they do eat a lot of grains typically historically in, in macrobiotic living so i was doing that and i was macrobiotic or macrobiotic inspired for about 10 years and i did enjoy really good health and certainly the best health that i had experienced at that time but i'd really become a bit of an annoying little zealot at that point. So mm. I'd become extreme because I wanted I to master, I wanted to master <laughs> the art of my own health, even if it was gonna kill me and alienate every sensical person in my life, you know? Sure. So I really had become <laughs> one of those annoying people that found the answer every six months and wanted to indoctrinate everybody that they knew, you know? <laughs> Until one day my dad sat me down and he said, listen. And I'm really close to my dad. He's got a lot of common sense. And he just said, listen, we love you and your commitment to this diet thing, but we are sick of hearing you order, watching you deprive yourself. And it's just really not a lot of fun. And food should be fun, right? And it's a really simple thing to say, but he just said it to me at exactly the right time Mm -hmm. where I wasn't having a lot of fun with my food, right? It became this this sort of dogmatic kind of systematic sort of militant restrictive um, place of depletion right yeah and almost like this sort of little cage cell that I had put myself in you know and I it really spoke to me mm-hmm. so the minute that I the minute that I, and my dad thinks the sun shines out of every orifice of my body right so it's like for him to say that to me you know, he, I knew he was saying that of love and yeah. I knew it must've gotten pretty bloody bad. Right. So yeah. I kind of went, mm. and so the minute that I embraced this concept of bioindividuality and the idea that one blanket way of moving through the world with food is not going to work for every human being and that flexibility and fluidity and constant listening and gathering data and bak- mm-hmm. making data driven decisions based on information and that things can ebb and flow and change depending on my hormones, my age, yeah. the climate I'm living in, the activity levels, my emotions and so forth. And yeah. that the way that I I'm nourishing my body and choosing to feed myself in every way, whether it be food, natural cleaning products, skincare, exercise, um, spirituality, whatever it might be, to bring my perfect blend together can shift and change in response to all of those different factors and and in consultation with my medical practitioners and so forth. So once I really embraced that and allowed myself to let a bit of air out of the tires, so to speak, that's Mm -hmm. when I really started firing on all cylinders and cooking with gas and really Mm -hmm. starting to not only um, come at food and health from a place of abundance and joy and this this idea of what I can have as opposed to what I can't have and just being open to all possibilities and being flexible and, and, um, and moving with things my whole Mm -hmm. world opened up and that's when I was living in America at the time and 
I just decided that I was going to start a food website and I was going to share my journey with food and share these recipes that I've been making with family and friends. And actually the cauliflower soup was the recipe, right? What year was this? What are we talking? Like where where are we? Yeah, in 2010. And so, okay. so this is right at the start. We're getting into yeah, the blog. We're, yeah, we're getting that's, that's when, you know, yeah. so I thought, well, you know, I'm kind of, I am a perfectionist. I'm getting better with that, but I like mm-hmm. to do everything at the, uh, you know, a hundredth power. I got to do everything at the most incredible elite level or it's not worth doing. And I got to put something out there that's value added and quality and, uh, you know, and right. so I did, I researched things for about a year. And there's so many incredible websites for so many different reasons, you know. So I thought, okay, I love this one and this one and this one. Well, I want to do something that's a little bit different. So how can I add to the space and kind of do something that's a bit different? So I was sitting there drinking my green smoothie, looking at my blender and thinking of all the different ways that I use my blender from making smoothies to soups to sauces to burgers to compost to homemade cleaning products to skincare to all kinds of different things, right, and how it enabled me to live a better life. And so I went, huh. So I started looking out there and at the time, back in 2009, because that's when I really started thinking about it and and brewing um, and and doing my research, um, there wasn't really anything out there beyond juices and smoothies, really. Mm -hmm. And so then the more that I started researching blending as a method of food prep, it very quickly became a metaphor for how I was living my life and how we all live our life, whether we're cognizant of it or not, right? Some people call it their pieces of the pie or their puzzle or their their religion or whatever. And so for me, it was my perfect blend. Like yeah. whether, you know, whether it's the food, exercise, work, loving relationships, philosophy, um, mm-hmm. faith, um, whatever it might be. And we all put those things together in a different way on a different day, on a different week, on a different year in response to what we need in order to be happy and healthy. Yep. So I went, oh, there's really something to this. And so then I'm not going to lie because I'm super strategic. I really followed the blending and juicing space back in 2009. And I saw that Vitamix in particular was experiencing exponential growth every year. And and the juicing and blending phenomenon was going to explode in a very big way in the next two to three years. So I positioned myself to ride the crest of that trend. And I did. did. So that's really, (laughs) to be honest, that's really how my website got so much attention so quickly. And really within three to six months of me starting that website, you know, a lot of things really happened for me that really propelled my brand kind of um, a lot further than normally it it may have because everybody was interested in this because it was trending. So, um, that's really how I came to be. And then nowadays, you know, we're all works in progress. We're all learning. We're all getting better. We're all expanding into our full potential every day, right? And and learning and growing. And so these days I continue to relax and to learn and to shift my perspective, you know, and the older I get, the more relaxed I get about things, you know, and, and Ashley, just because, you know, because she's on this interview as well, she's even more relaxed than I am. So for example, no, but I I mean, it's, it's really, yeah, (laughs) no, but it's, it's really good though, because even though Ashley and I both gluten-free, and we're both dairy free. She still eats fish. You know, I don't. And that's okay. You know, we don't judge each other about that. 
But she's even more relaxed, you know, because she's, you know, obviously a medical practitioner, so she needs to be, but it's really good. So for example, going back to what she said about tasting different things and stuff, right? Like I'll go, I cannot believe that someone's still using agave in a product that just came out this year or whatever. I might just kind of be a little bit more strict and judgmental about my perspective and the frame that I'm putting. And she goes, hang on a second, Tess. She said, for somebody who's eating cane sugar and drinking 10 cans of Coke a day, this is a better option for them. And it's a great thing that's in the space and we need to celebrate that. And I'm like, you're right. You know, and it just helps to bring me into the middle a little bit. And then the next day I'll go, I'm still not touching that as me. As like, me, I'm not, not Maybe not about agave, though. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know what I mean? They can't and the point pronounce agave, let alone they're right. Not using and it's just, it's a, you Stick know, with tequila, you're good. Yeah. yeah. But you know how we all have our trusted circle, our trusted advisors, our trusted, and you keep those voices in your head that keep you in a balanced place. And whenever you start to go to the extremes that you could go to when you're just listening to your five-year-old, your 18-year-old, your 60-year-old, your whatever, and every, all your own voices are swimming around, you can kind of start to lose a healthy perspective a little bit, right? Even if you are a well-read, well-balanced person, right? So for For me, just to constantly remember that there are, you know, that it doesn't have to be the most pure ingredients to be a better choice is a really good thing for me, right? Because I don't eat added sugar. I don't, you know, I choose not to do certain things, right? But I've learned how to, I've learned all these tricks that enable me to constantly be in a really incredible place, eating decadent, incredible food. Not everybody's in that place. So it's just really good for me to constantly remember that. And it also, also affects my recipe development, because even though I have 50 recipe tests and I test everything 50 times before it goes out into the world and I take the medium and an aggregate response for something, right? So often I will put recipes out that are a little bit sweeter. The sweetness is a good example where because I don't eat any added sugar, even maple syrup, dates or anything now, um, I my my tolerance for sweetness is very low yeah. now. So I don't need things to be very sweet, whereas the average person does, right? Mm-hmm. So I will calibrate the sweetness of my recipes based on what the general 50 people are saying about what the sweet spot is, pardon the pun, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's very helpful to constantly sort of have that voice in my head going, you know what, for someone that's been drinking Coca-Cola and been eating cane sugar or a lot of dates or maple syrup or whatever, they need it to be that sweet in order for them to enjoy exactly exactly so yeah it's just been a process but that's kind of how it came about for me and nowadays I'm just listening to stimuli from from lots of different places right and constantly going oh and I just find that I'm just constantly letting air out of the tires and maybe just getting older where you go you know you know I think I think the older you get, you realize you have more yesterdays than tomorrow's. And when you get to that place, you just want to imbue every day with joy and abundance and just not be so freaked out and holding everything so tightly. So I constantly think of holding everything in my life now like a delicate bird. And if I hold it too tightly, I'm going to strangle the flight. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah, this plays perfectly into something I wanted to touch on, which you've been doing a great job is this 
you know, breaking away from being a perfectionist. And I struggle with that too, not you know, in, in every part of my life, but for a while, a long time with eating, right? Like I loved following a rule. It's just like, give me, give me something to follow. I know that I'm comforted by rules. I'm rewarded by following the rules, but we know that that doesn't lend itself to, you know, what we're saying, joy and, and, and experiencing food as telling a story and comfort and all this when you're living this like dogmatic rule approach. I know that a lot of people, a lot of listeners of the podcast too, have, have struggled with that in the past. It's like, well, I, I want to be healthy. So like, tell me what to do. I want to follow this to, to a T. And if I'm not doing it, well, I'm, then I'm not being healthy. And well, then I got to beat myself up about it. And so, I, you know, I'm wondering, you know, what do you, what do you have to say to, you know, what can we do to work towards finding our perfect blend? What that means for a, a lot of different people? Yeah. I mean, look, and to be perfectly honest, I am still a perfectionist. Like that is still my default position. And Ashley will tell you, she's on me about this all the time. She's like, nobody cares if it's perfect test, just stick it out there, you know, da, 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 right? And I, so I will, that's the first thing I'll say is that I still struggle with it, you know, and it's still my Achilles heel, truthfully. And it's Mm -hmm. definitely my Achilles heel in business, 100%, Mm -hmm. is that I want everything to be perfect. I always want it to be absolutely fully baked before I put it out there, right? Um, So what I do is, is I just go, you know what? I'm just going to do the best I can do today. Mm-hmm. And if I'm having a really great day and I'm feeling super empowered and really positive today, like I can take on the world, then I've got this good, better, best approach now where it's like, I might do my best today because I'm having a really great day today. Right. So right. I'm going to go, yeah. I'm, I'm going to eat celery sticks with that instead of crackers or whatever it might be. I mean, that's a silly example, but <laughs> in another day, you know, I might've gotten some bad news or I might've just woken up and not be feeling so great. Or, you know, it's difficult right now during this pandemic, we're just barraged with some grief right now and uncertainty and un- the unknown. And we're all swimming around in, in some stuff, you know, and all being affected by this to varying degrees. So mm-hmm. for me, I just take a step back and be really gentle with myself and go, I'm going to make the best decisions I can today, whatever that means, and not beat myself up about it, you know, and just always keep in mind that I want to act out of love and respect for myself today. And if that means that I have to call that friend to give me a great conversation or talking to, you know, and go, oh, God, just talk me off the ledge, I honest to God, you know. And, I mean, I think that... For me, healthy eating is all about your overall attitude and feeling about your life and your self-esteem and your emotions that day because I freely admit that I'm a comfort eater. Now, now I'm lucky that I choose not to have different foods in my house, right, that are my right. triggers and things, right? So Ashley will tell you there's not very much bad stuff in my house, right? Yeah. But, but and, and still delicious stuff, right? But, mm-hmm. but. But I think that um, that's the first thing is doing whatever you need to do to emotionally get yourself into a place of empowerment. So it might be going for a walk, exercising, listening to a podcast, meditating, calling a friend or a loved one, watching your favorite movie, dancing naked to your favorite piece of music, whatever it might be. So just to get yourself back into balance as much as possible because one of the ways that we placate and comfort ourselves is with food. 
So I think when you're in a place and when you're in a better place, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, whatever it might be, and you're feeling more empowered and more centered, you're more likely to make a better food choice that day. That makes total sense. So that's the first thing I would say. From a really practical perspective, I would just, you know, think about what your emotional triggers are that prevent you from forming a better food relationship, right? And this is very timely right now in particular, and I am certainly guilty of carb crashing under the covers watching rom-coms or whatever right now, right? We're all doing that stuff, right? Um, But I think that when you sort of realize what your food triggers are and then you somehow set set your space and your environment up for success, And by success, I mean enabling yourself to make better choices, not the best, not the perfect Mm -hmm. or whatever. So by that I mean starting to reduce the amount of added sugar or the amount of processed foods or the amount of fast foods or the things that um, you know make you feel bad that day or the next day, right? So I know, for example, I can't eat gluten and dairy, right? It doesn't make me feel good. But if I'm you know, or certain carbohydrates for dinner or whatever it might be, right? When I do that, and I like legumes, beans just don't sit well with me, right? But I love them, right? Mm. So it's like (laughs) eating a bowl of chickpeas, cooked chickpeas with olive oil and pepper and salt and some parsley is like, oh, I'm in heaven, right? That's all I need to do to be happy, right? I'm like, I'm eating a sleeve of lemon Oreos over here. Right, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I know, I know. It sounds like, wow, that chick's not having much fun, right? I was just trying to think of an example. Don't get me wrong. I made lemon cake this day and I've almost eaten the whole cake to Myself, no, but right? my, my favorite part of that is like that, that and this this is test to the T. She's describing something like that, and she's like, and the parsley at the end. Cause you're like, because that's the shit that brings it all together, right? Because it's not like, oh, I needed, I needed yeah, I needed carbs and fat and salt. No, no, I needed to add the parsley because that completed the taste, right? I just I was like, of course. Like, yeah, there you go. I love it. But yeah. I yeah, I think just gradually 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 making changes and removing as many obstacles as possible and that it doesn't have to be today it's just small shifts to big changes you know Mm -hmm. and I think that when you do things gradually because you know we know scientifically that our taste buds change and that we can taste, we can change our taste buds, right? And we know that if you keep a food diary, you know, and you listen to your body, that a very clear pattern starts to develop, right? Where you um, go, wow, okay, every time I eat that, I feel like that. And I, and I'm not trying to suggest for one second that we should self-diagnose, but I think that yeah. it's interesting data to collect on yourself that you can then take to your medical practitioner and say, hey, I've noticed that every time I eat this, I feel like this. And they're like, oh, okay, well, let's do some tests or hey, blah, 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 right? So I think that just constantly gathering data on yourself, whether it be your emotional triggers or, and I think sometimes you have to have some really honest conversations with yourself and go, wow, not only every time I eat beans, for example, let's just stick with beans. It makes me feel bloated or whatever it might be, right? But every time I'm around that person, I feel really shit about myself or whatever it might be, right? And you kind of just have, yeah, you just have to have sort of honest conversations with yourself and kind of break up with the shit that holds you back. 
And sometimes it's breaking up with a part of your personality, right? So it's Mm. like my five-year-old is the neediest, whiniest baby in my psyche. Mm. And she constantly needs so much attention and so much hand-holding and so much affirmation. And it is exhausting, right? So sometimes I just have to put her in a box, and it's right. like, I can't attend to you or, or and then other day, whatever, yeah. right? But yeah. I mean, or just I can't talk to that person today or whatever it might be, right? Yeah. It, they're, yeah. they're just a few examples. but And, and then the yeah. last thing is getting that arsenal of trusted recipes. And you can only do that by being bold and experimenting and trying and sort of stepping out of your comfort zone. Or maybe you start with your comfort zone and you make small changes, right? So it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe instead of pasta with our bolognese sauce, whatever bolognese it might be, we're going to try spiralized zucchini noodles for the first time ever. Let's just see how that goes for us if we like it, right? Or whatever. And then if you've got a family or you've got a husband or a wife or roommates or whatever, you kind of go, oh, that one's a winner. That cauliflower soup's <laughs> going in the rotation, right? Yep, and so yep. if you put that recipe on your iPad or on your online connect collection or you save the link or you print it up and put it in a little folder, however you like to organize your thoughts and your, you know, your information. And then gradually as you go through, before you even know it, you've got 20, 30, 50 recipes. That's all you need, you know? And then before you know it, you've gone, oh, two or three out of that 50 is from that person. And everyone loves that recipe. So I now know that person's kind of onto something. They're talented and I can trust them, you know? And then even if I'm going to have people over when we're all doing that again, I know I can go out on a limb and make that person stuff because I know everything's going to be great or most of the things are going to be great or whatever. And before you know it, you haven't even realized it, but you're feeling better. You're sleeping Mm -hmm. better. You have more energy and you've sort of made these changes. And within a matter of weeks or a couple of months or whatever, your digestion's better. Your energy levels are better. You're sleeping better. Your mood's a bit more stabilized and you're actually not craving as much sugar as you once did. And now when you have that thing that you thought you loved, it's actually so sickly sweet that you kind of don't want it anymore or you want it a lot less, you know? And then you, you, and then the last thing I'll say is balance. You know, I think that from my journey, I went from extreme to extreme and then back into the middle or mm. here to slightly to the right or slightly to the left. And I kind of go in in the middle to the left to the right now. And I really try to not go out to those extremes anymore because that's yeah. where I hold things too tightly. I don't have joy and abundance and I'm just an yeah. annoying little freak, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no. I think balance, (laughs) finding what your balance is today and that balance Mm -hmm. can shift and change and that's okay. Just letting, allowing things to ebb and flow and, and be responsive, um, and, and acting from a place of empowerment and choices as opposed to having to get to a reactionary state where your health gets so bad that you have to go to an extreme, right. In order to come back into balance. And I think that making those choices before you really need to, because it's like, you know, and Ashley can talk about this better than I can, but, but, you know, all of these little, little, little things we think of little, like bad digestion, excessive flatulence, you know, elevated sugar levels, all these different things that we think of as, oh, okay, well, I'll just kind of ignore that. They're symptoms of dis-ease 
that then lead to disease, right? That can lead Mm -hmm. to much more serious problems if they've been left unattended for a really long time, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you just listen to those little things that we think of as just average part of life, we think that fighting all the time and having bad breath or having no energy and not sleeping through, we think of that as like, oh, everybody does that. It's part of life. Yeah. And it's like, there is a better way to be and you actually can improve those things and have less or whatever. Right. So, I mean, I think just kind of starting to get that into your arsenal of going, huh, okay. That's a, that's actually a signal from my body that something's not quite right. And that I there's actually a better way for me to be and that I can achieve better health. So I'm going to get some data and then I'm going to find a trusted practitioner and I'm going to, in consultation with them, figure out a better way, you know? And I think that, um, and, and again, you know, another piece of it is just be very careful where you get your information from, you know, there's a lot of Dr. Googles out there that, right. And there's a lot of misinformation, obviously, everybody's got a different opinion, you know? And I, I just feel like if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is, right? And if someone's offering some ridiculous quick fix or cure or crazy thing, I I kind of run a mile from that stuff, you know? But I think yeah. that asking around, asking your dietitian or your doctor or whatever, and just starting to kind of find some trusted people who are putting very kind of balanced, well-researched, well-documented, you know, evidence-based um, start information out there is a, is a good place to go you know and just because your friend is doing keto doesn't necessarily mean the keto is right for you or just because your friends decided they are not allowed to eat such and such anymore doesn't necessarily mean that's right for you you know so um favorite social media follow is doing this now doesn't mean oh yeah Yeah. it's just exhausting you know and I mean this is the thing it's like there's just always another craze you know that's gonna sell a million copies of a book or is gonna be clickbait for some websites and is gonna turn into a trend it it's kind of like okay so this is another thing I call them job security right (laughs) right and it's kind of that thing of it's kind of that thing of just because you can doesn't mean you should. I say it all the time, Taz. I say, and I say it to myself all the time too. Like it's a reminder for myself. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, I think about that, you know, when it comes to everything, if it's just something I might feel like doing that day to a trend or a craze or whatever, huh? Just yeah. because you can milk potatoes, should we be putting potato milk on the market? Oh, or should we yeah. be putting banana milk on the market? I mean, oh, come on. No, we should not. Because right? we tasted both of them and they were so <laughs> disgusting. And the other part was what it took to actually, like, it wasn't even just the milk of the potato or the milk of the banana. They put all these other ingredients in there and you're like, just give me like honestly give me an old mexican coke it's better for you and it definitely tastes good like it was mind-blowing and banana and like banana and potato you were like these like they were just starch bombs it was so disgusting yeah it was so bad and the so other thing, disgusting the other thing too is that there's beauty and deliciousness in simplicity you don't right. need to be a gourmet chef. You don't need to buy a lot of ingredients. You don't have to, you know, it's this thing of sometimes a clean piece of protein, whatever your dietary stripes are, clean, high quality piece of protein and non-starchy vegetables, whether it's grilled, right. sauteed, stir fried, in a salad, raw, whatever it might be, is delicious, right? And you know, and for me, it would be hemp seeds. Like we just right? our hemp seeds. I mean, right. what else do you need? You know, I was well, about you, your, you know what yeah. you need? What yeah. you need is 
extra virgin olive oil, fresh lemons, and salt and pepper. All right. And my goodness, can you and make for you an avocado? Also, of course, you know, of course. Uh, yeah. And and to know Tess is to know that Ashley, what are you doing? Why are you putting away half an avocado? You never put away half an avocado. We have the whole <laughs> avocado. I was like. Don't we have to portion a whole, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, okay. Like, and you know what? It's that good. Yeah. I I don't, I don't believe an avocado (laughs) never gets left in my house. No avocado gets you. No, no. We've talked a lot about nourishing ourselves with food, but you know, we know that there's more than just food. So I'm, I'm interested to hear, you know, how, how, how else do you nourish yourself, you know, physically or any way you take care of yourself? Yes. Um, Well, I mean, first of all, it's about mindset. So if I wake up and I do my meditation and then I still step off off the bed or off the floor that day and I'm feeling out of balance, I call somebody, like literally. Mm -hmm. I'll call a friend or a family member or one of my trusted people or I'll listen to a podcast or I'll do something that's going to help me get back into balance. And so I am not afraid of asking for help and going, I am really stuck with this today and I just cannot get past my rage about something political or my my sadness about a story or, you know, my dad had cancer recently so every once in a while that would get me down, you know, whatever it might be, right, or a disappointment professionally or just I'm in a funk. I mean, whatever it might be, right, or i got to celebrate something with someone so I can, can get rid of it cellularly so I can get back into balance because I can't concentrate on anything else because I'm so excited or whatever it might be, right? So that's one big thing that I do. I really hold my sacred circle. Um, would you say that would you consider yourself extroverted more so than introverted? Well, it's really interesting you say that because I've only just realized that I am an introvert who presents as an extrovert. So I have thought that I'm an extrovert my entire life, but actually I'm an introvert. So energy and recharge alone. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that's another way of putting it. I am an introvert. I'm an introvert that presents as an extrovert, but I very much recharge every day as an introvert. So it's been very interesting for me because I was speaking to a really fantastic friend of mine and we were away on a retreat together. And she said, huh? She goes, you're an introvert that presents as an extrovert. She goes, you're one of those. And I went, I think you're right, you know, and we've been doing this session and I really have embraced that. So Mm -hmm. even though I'm very, very social, I'm very chatty, obviously, I can go on and on without drawing breath, but, (laughs) but the batteries do run out, so to speak, you know, and I do need to recharge. And so my recharging is a really big part of how I stay in balance, you know, and just knowing what, how far I can expand today and what my limits are and what yeah. my um, what my circle looks like today. And sometimes my circle is very small, what my capacity or my bandwidth is today. And yeah. other days it's very expansive, you know. Right. So it, I do need to really take stock of what my energetic tank has today and where it should yeah. be best spent. And some days there's not a lot in the tank. It just sort of depends. Most days there is, but I'm I'm starting to, you know, I am getting a lot better about that, you know, yeah. um, because I think yeah. that we all suffer from adrenal fatigue. 
to one degree or another. That's just part of the society and the instant gratification and the fast pace of everything, which is, I think that's one of the big gifts of this COVID pandemic time, right? It's a real opportunity to reframe our perspective about life. and about what feeds us as a human being on all levels and what fulfills us and where we want to be and what we want to do and what our what what our chapter this next chapter of contribution is going to be in our life right to ourselves and others and our community etc so that's another thing that I do um and I like to read I like to listen to music. I like to go for hikes. I like to do Pilates. We have the best hikes around you in LA we there. Do. We do. We're not able oh. to partake in them right now, but we will yeah, again. They close, like the trails, they say you can't no, close them. No, they're closed at the moment, but they will reopen eventually. Oh, um, yeah. I have an infrared sauna that I get in every single day. It is oh, a huge yeah. part of my self-care. Yeah. I have a, a Pilates reformer that I use. You know, I box. I love that. I love skipping, you know, there's lots of different things I do. And then, you know, I love to cook. I love to dance. I love to socialize and I love stories. So yeah. I really get- checking all my boxes oh. too. <laughs> I love so, all of those things. Yeah. So I do, I do love t- movies and television and theater and opera and, you know, live. You also, you, you also do something very unique um, and I've, I've observed it and that is like, in every space that you interact, because um, I know what happens when you're not in a space like this, you make everything be exi- like what will be comfortable and and inspiring. Like, so what's in your, like, what's your pillowcase? What's your, it's like not, and like, it's a different kind of perfection. It's like my bed has to be the most comfortable bed or the Ooh. light that's coming in or, you know, how you're like, what you put on out and those sorts of things. And so like, even just walking into your place, it's like, hey, I know like there's a calming or there's an experience or, you know, your bath products. Like, I think, you know, I think there's a lot of like when you started to answer, I was like, how does she not answer? The only thing that I can think of is like, I know that I can see the difference when we have been in settings for like 24 or maybe God forbid 30 hours. And it's like something that like doesn't physically feel good, like to you, whether it's the air or the, the bedding or like whatever. And it's like, we're out. Like, you know, <laughs> and, it's like, and it's like light and day for her. She's just like, Oh my God. You know? So um, I think you've, you've so carefully curated like in different, and I've seen it in different spaces, but like what your space is like so that it helps you, be you in that way. And I think that's, I, I see that certainly. Yeah, no, thank you for reminding me about that. This is what I love about friendships or relationships. Like they, like, like your friends and your family are an extension of your memory, right? Uh-huh. So when you can't quite put the pieces together and get back into balance and get that perspective, your trusted people help you and they remind you of things about yourself or people in your life and whatever. And I think that's why after I meditate and I, if I, if I am finding something challenging and I can't quite put it into balance that day, that is why my first thing is to call one of my trusted people. Right. I love that so much. It's, it's almost the, maybe the, my most favorite thing I've heard you say all day, because that it's really resonating with me personally, because I am very extroverted. Mm-hmm. I, I get energy from people like after a coffee or a happy hour, I am like, buzzing. When I'm done recording, when I get to be in the studio across someone, it's mm-hmm. like I'm electrified, right? Like I just, yeah. I love that energy from people. And so I'm obviously I'm, I'm missing that right now, but, yeah. and then I almost forget, like, just pick up the phone, right? Mm-hmm. Like that you just, you just need to get that reminder of like, 
it helps me get realigned, like you said, too. And so, oh, I think and I'm so, not so a te- I'm not a texter. So I will text, hey, love you, thinking about your old text, I'm going to be five minutes late or things like that. But I really feed off conversations like back yeah. and forth. And, you know, I really, I am an intellectual person. I do thrive on reading very well-written, articulate, insightful articles about things. It's, it's like intellectual gymnastics for me, you know. Mm. I really thrive on that. So just to talk something through with somebody. And, you know, when you're around other people that you can relate to, they'll just say some sense or something where it just allows you to hook it into exactly the right place that day. And I'm You're able to run it in a direction yeah. you didn't see before. Yeah, and particularly when it's people that know you really well, you know, and it's so like they, it's just like, hang on a second, Tess. Remember last week when that happened? You're probably just still processing that. And remember, da, 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 but hang on a second. Oh, you're right. You know, or or they'll just say something really pithy or funny or, you know, whatever. And it's just kind of like, thank you. I love you. Have a great day. I'll talk to you next week or whatever, right? So, you know, Ashley and I joke because we often have these parallel experiences where we're going through a slightly different version of exactly the same lesson at the same time, right? And her and I are similar in a lot of ways, but we're also very different in a lot of ways, right? And so it's really good to just get a different perspective and just kind of go, hang on a second, you know, and she'll remember things just like she did just then where I'll kind of forget that, yeah, I do, I'm really careful about the things that I choose to surround myself as well as the people that I choose to let into my sacred circle, you know, Mm -hmm. and and my people, if I've chosen to let someone in that's going to poison the well, they'll let me know. You know, yeah, right. and, it, and it's kind of, I think that's what's great about friends too, right? So, um, yeah, it, I, I think that, again, I'll just yeah. go back, back to balance, back to balance, balance, balance. And I think that's a really, that's really my word for this year because it really encompasses a lot of different things, right? It encompasses yeah. a lot of the different things we've talked about, which is be gentle with yourself. Don't live in the extremes, live in the gray, not the black and white, you know, mm-hmm. Don't be so hard on yourself. It just needs to be better. It doesn't have to be perfect or the best, you know, just kind of allowing things to exist in this space that kind of allows you to stand on an equal footing or a balance yeah. in, a, in, a, in, a, in an even place today and allows yeah. you to kind of take a step forward or a step sideways. And sometimes, you know, and it's difficult to accept this in life, but sometimes the, the step forward needs to be... Um, needs to be preceded by two steps back or six steps sideways. Yeah. And it's a cha-cha. Life is yeah. a cha-cha. It's not this linear step forward, step forward, step forward, step forward. And sometimes that step backwards that might feel like a failure or a letdown or a, oh, I can't believe I can't get there, actually is where the magic happens that enables right. you to take a leap forward or yeah. enables you to commit to continue to moving forward a little bit more or whatever. And so that's been a really good thing for me to just go, you know what? My friend, Michelle, another one of my trusted little angels, she's got this great saying, the universe is in perfection, even though it might feel like shit today. And she said, you have to put the today at the end of it to know that it's not going to feel like shit tomorrow necessarily or next week. And maybe it's going to feel like shit for weeks, but eventually it will shift. Right. It's this sentiment of like I'm feeling sad right now to add that right now yeah and and this too shall pass right and what do I need to do today for it to shift enough for me to breathe and Mm kind of take a deep breath and just kind of feel like I can do something today and keep going and I think that that's very 
it's it's even more important when we're going through periods of grief you know because yeah. grief very much is a cha-cha right and yep. sometimes you are paralyzed other times you don't know what to do other times you take a leap and you get enormous clarity mm. and then the next day you're right back to not knowing what to do and you know that's kind of you know the cycle of grief is a is a really interesting one that i think is a great template for for tackling anything right that you know mostly you go through the first stage which is just anger because it's the most seemingly empowered form of grief where you feel like you're doing something, you're being active and you're keeping people away from you or whatever. Um, And then when you allow yourself to kind of just forgive everybody, including yourself, for not being able to do it or whatever, you kind of go, oh, and that's when you kind of get those nuggets of self-reflection and clarity that enable you to figure it out on your own, you know. And I think that for me, that's a constant process as well. Sometimes yeah, I'm able to do all. that and sometimes I'm not, you know, and right. that's okay. Right. I don't need yeah. to have all the answers today. And that shoots right. me to the nth power, let me tell you. But <laughs> it's just how it is and nobody else yeah. has all the answers today either Absolutely. in every aspect of their life. Before before we get to the big question, I have to talk about this audiobook recording. <laughs> so I, I finished Harry Potter, narrated by Jim Dale. I'm starting Lord of the Rings right now. And and so I'm just like in this world where I'm thinking oh. about behind the scenes of recording an audiobook. And I'm just into like, do you read the book first on your own? And then you go into a studio and they have it in front of you and you practice. How do you know the voices? Like video games? What's that like? <laughs> So look, to be honest with you, I haven't recorded an audiobook in many years just because it does take a week. You know, it is a week out of oh, your I life. Mean, I and it would be even longer than that. No, no, no. Well, well, for something like Harry Potter, right, it's interesting you you talk about Jim Dale, very, very talented narrator, and his his reading of the Harry Potter books is so exceptional and incredible. And But I will say he did record that book very differently than audiobooks are normally recorded. So, for example... His Hagrid voice, it it was so gravelly and took so much out of his voice that he it then impeded his ability to really do the other voices really well. That they shot all the, I think they recorded all of those together, and then he would record some of the other stuff. Right, so that's very, very, very unusual. Um, Normally, you record it linearly, and you just yes. So you read the book beforehand because you have to know who done it. You've got to know yeah. the characters from France or Germany or what accents yeah. you need to do. And you need and so a lot everybody prepares differently. You know, some people have highlighters and they have different highlighters for different characters. They make notes in the margins or they have notes on their iPad or whatever people do, right? So everyone's got their process. And then you have, there's two ways that they're recorded. So you either go into the studio with a director and a producer and they've also read the book and they've also got their notes and their directions. You've got to look up all the pronunciation. So if you're, if you've got, like, let's say the guy that narrated the Da Vinci Code where you're all over the world and there's people from all over the world, you've got to do all these different accents and you've got to do male voices, female voices, young voices, baby voices, grandma voices, all kinds of stuff, right? And you've got to you've got to differentiate and bring these characters and this world to life for the listener, right? So people have their process. So if you mm-hmm. go into the studio, yes, you're with a director and a producer or whatever, and they you read the book in the studio, and typically 
a sessions typically from, you know, 10 to 4. You know, people don't tend to do it for more than six hours just because okay. people's voices get tired. You want right. to rest your vocal cords. You have a break. You know, yeah. some people do a break every chapter. Some people do a break every hour. It's every Again, everybody's got their, yeah. their process. Okay. And people like to drink throat coat tea or a hot tea just to sort of lubricate your, or a hot yeah. lemon and honey water to lubricate your throat or whatever. You also just want to have a break because, you know, when your eyes are scanning the page oh, and you're, you're sure. reading two and three sentences ahead so that you get your intonation right and all this other stuff, it's quite I exhausting. It's, it's so difficult to do. That's it's, why I'm just like. I, I have to tell it? you. I have worked in all genres of acting, you know, and all genres of voiceovers now, right? And I have to tell you, I found doing audiobooks the most challenging acting job I have ever done in my life. It is, uh, my hat goes off to those great narrators, like I can't even tell you. And here's the other thing, sitting in a tiny little booth for six hours, I've decided that is not for me. And no one to Right, like it's just you and the book. But, but the people that are really good at that, they get off on that. They are fed yeah. by that. So what they tell us, and this is what is so great. Like one of my friends, Cassandra Campbell, who was one of the most well-known female and most award-winning female narrators, she taught me something very, very um, interesting and really quite brilliant. She said, "If you think about it, audiobook narration is more about listening." And speaking. And I went, oh, that's interesting because you have to listen to the author. You have to listen to the cadence and the rhythm of the story and the writing, right? And then you need mm-hmm. to, to put air into that and listen and be true to the author's intent, right? And in a very well-written book, a lot of that work is done for you. And then another thing that um, I I you know, my, my previous partner of eight years, he's one of, he is the most prolific narrator on audible.com and he's a very well-known narrator. He also taught me something where he said, you know, you've also got to allow the listener to do some of the work. So there is this thing of like a reader has to do some of the work when they're reading. Yes. So you, you just give someone enough. Now it depends on the genre. Like, so with YA, like Harry Potter, with young adult fiction and children's fiction and really fantastical fantasy adventure, like Lord of the Rings and and all this sort of stuff, it does require broad characters and big animated characters and things like that. Whereas if you're listening to an adult thriller or something, they don't, don't do massive characters. Yeah. They just yeah, give yeah, you yeah. a hint of something. So it depends yeah. on the genre, right? And it depends on the narrator and the style of the narration and the and the style of the piece, right? Depending on what the style of the narration is, right? But there is that thing of, you know, when you're, you're I love classical music, but you know when you go to a concerto and you're listening to a symphony or whatever and the music brings you to tears, you're really yeah. moved by it. Yeah. The musicians are not up there crying. Right. Right? right. They're allowing you to to feel it and to bring yourself in as a participant. And I yeah. think that's what's really magical about audiobooks, you know. So Scott tells this fantastic story, and I've never forgotten. It's the best way to illustrate this, where he narrated in Cold Blood, the really famous Truman Capote book, right? And he said that there were two two of the most famous reviews were completely opposite. And one review said, 
The great thing about this book is that Scott Brick doesn't attempt to nail down any particular cans and accent. He lets you fill that in for you and then it's great, right? And then the other one of the other reviews said, the thing that's so great about this book is that Scott Brick's cans and regionally specific accents are so perfect. It is incredible. And, and both reviews are true, but what the second reviewer didn't understand was that she was actually doing the rest of the work herself. And I think that that's what's so magical about audiobooks is it's such an intimate medium. And I have to say, I don't think there's anything sexier than someone telling you a story. And if you think about it, it brings you back to old time radio or sitting around a campfire 300 years ago and telling telling little (laughs) stories to each other, right? And I do think that's why podcasts take audiobooks to a whole other level, which is it's not just one person, even if you've got a multi-reader story, right? There are lots of audiobooks where there are lots of different readers, right? But normally, traditionally, it's one person, right? Or it's Mm -hmm. two people. But with podcast you've got two people having a conversation it's like you're sitting around the kitchen bench with your cup of tea like as a participant and I think there's something really magical about that and you're kind of imagining what they're wearing you're kind of imagining what their hair's like you're kind of imagining them rolling their eyes at each other or kind of snickering and nudging each other and you kind of feel like you're in on these private jokes or whatever and I think that, that there's something really magical about the audio medium in a in a in a society where we're hyper hyper visual, yes, there's something very sexy about not having it all served up to yep. you in a complete total sensorial way, where you right. have to imagine the rest of it. So yeah. I think it's a it's a much more sort of participatory medium where you have to be a participant, even though mostly audiobooks are a secondary activity, right? So truck drivers, you're driving along in your car, or you're on the treadmill, or you're going for a walk, or you're cooking and you're listening, or you're sewing something, or whatever, right? Very mm-hmm. rarely are people just sitting in a chair listening to an audio. I mean, some people do, but for the most part, it's a secondary activity, right? So it's just, it's a very interesting thing. And I have so oh, much I'm, respect for that community. Yeah, but I am, yeah. I'm so, I'm so down for it. I'm, I'm totally intrigued. Thank you for indulging me in that. I appreciate <laughs> it. Okay. So Tess, the big question of this podcast, what does being fit mean to you? Ooh, well, you know, fitness is being ready for anything. Oh, yeah. So that means in your mind, in your body, with your emotions, with your heart, with your intellect, with everything, right? It's just being as ready and prepared and um, as well-equipped as possible. So Mm -hmm. physically, it's about keeping up your cardiovascular health, making sure that you are as strong as you can possibly be physically. And then, you know, that's that's from a fitness perspective but you also need your digestive system to be fit you need it to be yes. moving as well as it can be you need it to be well armed you know you need to be eating well so that you you know all your organs and your blood is, is as fit yeah. in adverted commas as it can possibly sure. be you need to be reading and exercising your mind and stimulating yourself so you are as fit mentally and that your intellect is as agile and kind of ready like a boxer to like have that amazing conversation with someone or take in that incredible article from the new york times or whatever it might yeah. be right <laughs> have a spirit to debate about something get your mind around a particular concept in life or whatever it might be and then emotionally fit for me is again that balance Mm -hmm. who and what do you need in your life 
to be emotionally as fit as you can be today to tackle whatever's going to come into your heart and into your mind and into your sphere of of being and of knowing where you can be as strong as possible to make the best decision you can make today, right? So that you, you know, fit is being ready for me yep. being yeah, ready exactly. and being open to all possibilities and being able to say yes and and make the best choices you can today from a place of empowerment yeah. and so for yeah. me that's exercising all parts of myself it's not just physically because you know we're you know Ashley can talk to this better than I can but you know we've got a generation of skinny you know fat skinny people right, right? where right. your weight and maybe your muscles, like I see guys at the gym and not to demean these guys. I mean, they're incredibly muscular and they're ripped, yeah. Yeah. but I see what they're eating before and after workouts. And I'm like, oh, you're a muscular hot person yeah. whose yeah. arteries are not so hot. Yeah. Right? right. So <laughs> right. it's like. It's all a shell, all exterior. Right. And so yeah. I, you know, and, and listen, there's people that are incredibly muscular and ripped on the outside and they're also feeding themselves incredibly well and doing everything right as well. So I'm not suggesting that yeah. there aren't people, but you know, I think that sometimes we can exercise and be fit in some ways in my in our life and we're neglecting other parts of our life and I'm certainly guilty of this too right so I'm certainly fitter in some parts of my life than others you know and it is just that thing of oh you know I can be I can be doing better with that you know I can be um, pushing myself a little bit more, you know, with the weights, or I can be doing, uh, you know, one more thing there, or yeah, maybe I need to mix that up a bit. I'm kind of in a bit of a rut, and you know, I, I yeah. like the, you know, I think surprising ourselves just allows us to flex our muscles in different ways, you know, and kind of go and kind of it's almost like I, I love the I love the boxing analogy because they they learn to be light on their feet so they can move in any direction, you oh, know, yeah, and be ready for, for anything sure. that comes their way, and so it's it's. I try to be yeah. like that. I don't always succeed. Yeah, no, I don't great. always succeed, but no, it's great. It's it's a they're nice a goals. Wonderful to have. answer. Yeah, perfect answer. I so appreciate you coming on, Tess. Thank you for the time. Thank you, Ashley. Mm-hmm. I think hopefully, you know, when all this craziness parts, I would love to hang out in person, Tess. I feel like we have like a lot more to talk about <laughs> can't get on this on this one episode podcast. But again, appreciate you so much. Where can people follow you if they want to get in the cook the cooking club, <laughs> all that stuff? Where where what's the best way to, yeah, to check so you out? There's hundreds and hundreds of recipes at theblendergirl.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, a really great Facebook page, The Blender Girl, and The Blender Girl on Instagram. So those and Pinterest and Twitter and everywhere, it's at The Blender yeah. Girl. And then The Cooking Club and my weight loss program is at skinny60.com. So that's skinny and then 60.com. And then I also have, um, if you're into juicing and cleansing and detox programs and things like that, um, you can also find my stuff at the decadentdetox.com. Awesome. So yeah, it's, it's lots it's of content good. to consume right now. And we got some time on our hands for sure. Yes. Thank you everyone for listening. Reminder, follow the podcast on Instagram at what the fit podcast, me at Chrissy Grody, rate and review and tell your friends and don't forget to tag your walk, your what the fit walk, show us where you're walking and where you're listening to what the fit. Thanks so much. 